you're welcome and wanted to be a part of actually going. And it, it can be going to another state, uh, another nearby location in Mexico, or around the world. And uh, with that, I want to introduce Doug Pearson. Doug and Bethany Pearson have served so faithfully um, here. No, I wouldn't say here at Heartland, but they have served at Heartland. You guys are like, you're just like, man, you're just like family. You are family. And so it was so good when Doug and Bethany are back um, to be able to have them come in. And Doug and Bethany visited us around VBS time. We were glad to have them uh, earlier in the summer, and I was, we were able to get this day set apart. So I don't want to take Doug's time. Doug is serving in India. He will give you his own update, but give Doug and Bethany a warm HBL welcome. We're so glad to have you guys. All right, thanks, bro. We love you, and uh, we're looking forward thanks, to hearing Pastor from Brian. you. All right. Good morning. Um, wow, th this is our family. You know, I, I was here back in, in the early 2000s when this church used to be a Bible study in a basement. It was like a house Bible study when Pastor Brian first came down to Harrisonville. And I was a part of this church from the very beginning. I came down to participate and have seen your church grow through the years. And uh, it, was, it was the year 2006 that you all helped us to get sent out to India. And so this is 15 years later that we've been doing missions. And uh, so we're, we're so excited that we can tell you some stories today, tell you a report of what God is doing overseas, and tell you future plans. But before I, I tell a lot of stories about missions, we're going to open up the Bible, we're going to share some scriptures, and we're going to pray because Jesus Christ is here with us. And Jesus said, when you gather together in the name of Jesus, he does something special. The Holy Spirit shows the presence of God to us. And God shows his presence to you in your homes. Uh, you know, back in the Bible, they used to have church in their home, right? Like the, the church of Rome was at a home, you know. And we have church in our homes. We have home Bible studies. We have prayer meetings in the home. But... God wants all the body to gather together on a, that Sunday, the Lord's Day, and uh, for prayer meetings on Sunday night, because we need each other. You know, it, it's not enough to be in our homes, because we need the whole church, not just a small little group of our families. We need to pray with our families, but first recognize that Jesus Christ is with us everywhere we go. And so, you, as you travel, as you go shopping, as you go in your community, you're bringing Jesus with you, you know. Uh, Jesus goes with you everywhere you go, and just be conscious of that. Sometimes we forget that Jesus is with us, and today there's there's something in our hearts that need healing. Every every week we need healing. We need we need emotional uh, transformation. We need our souls and our spirits to be touched by God, and that's why we open up this book because this book is God's prescription. This book is God's plan for your life. And we have to open it up to understand God's mind. And so we're going to look at that today. So let's pray that God will help us understand the Bible. And at the same time, let's pray for the different missions that are going overseas into the nations of India and, and Mexico and Cambodia. And these nations, that they're suffering even more than we are today because a lot of the COVID and the coronavirus things are happening there even more than it is here. And things are shutting down even worse over there. And so imagine the, their frustration of being shut down while we're here in America. We're free. Praise God. We're, you know, we're still living in a free country. All right. We are. I mean, 
don't, don't watch the news. You know, don't, don't buy the narrative in the news, right? Because the, when you watch that narrative they give you in the news, it's the wrong narrative. You know, you, you can, if you watch the news too long, you start to be- believe the narrative, you know. Maybe they have a lot of facts, but the, it's the way they narrate the facts, right? That it gets inside of you and you start thinking a certain way. So that's why you open up the Bible, because the Bible gives you a narration of life, of the, the perspective of how you're supposed to look at what's going on. And then and you don't lose your peace, right? If you have lost your peace by watching the news, it's because you forgot to get it from God. This is the news right here, okay? So let's pray and ask God to help us understand it. Dear Father, God in heaven, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for missions. We thank you for the outreach of the gospel right here in Missouri. And we ask you to help us to understand the Bible and your plan for our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the, the title of my message, let's march for Jesus. You know, let's march for grace. Let's, let's, let's go on a march for grace because today there's a lot of marching going on. You know, people marching for their rights, right? But we are not marching for our rights. We're marching for God's rights, <laughs> right? And God has a right to show grace to a sinner, right? We're marching for forgiveness. We're marching for, you know, when there's a problem in society, we're marching that it would be reconciled, not that it would be fought where people would uh, never get along again. We want to see reconciliation, but it only comes through Jesus, not through, there's no political reconciliation. It's through Jesus' reconciliation. Now, we're a, we're a team here in Missouri, all over the world. We're a team. Do, do you feel this morning that you're a part of a team? This is a family and a team. Uh, now, sometimes, you know, you may feel a little isolated, but that's, the devil wants you to feel that way. But no one in the church wants to make you feel isolated. We care about each other, and we remember each other. And sometimes you might be isolated, but just remember that you need to reach out. Maybe someone, someone doesn't know that you're hurting because you haven't told anyone. You, you have to participate in the relationship of church. You have to let people know what's going on in your life. Communicate. And, and the people of the church will be there for you. Right? We're a team. Uh, let's go to the next slide. Uh, so I'm going to teach the story of Jeremiah and the time of Babylon. And um, so I'm, I'm talking about what God did in the Old Testament. And, and one of the themes I'm going to bring out today is uh, I see grace in the Old Testament. Okay? I see the grace of God amidst judgment. Because when you read the Old Testament, it's judgment of God, judgment of God, judgment of God. And the background of Jeremiah is after the good, he, good king Hezekiah had died, his son, the evil Manasseh, was the worst king in history of Jerusalem. Uh, during that evil rule of Manasseh, God decided that he would for sure send Judah into captivity into Babylon. And that's in 2 Kings 21, Jeremiah 15, 2 Chronicles 33. Manasseh had also cut Isaiah in half. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse uh, 37, it says, the heroes of faith, there was even one who was cut in half. That was Isaiah, the prophet, by the evil king Manasseh. That's how bad it was. See, you think it's bad today in today's society. Think how bad it was in Israel 
in the, the times of the evil kings. And you have the, he, the, the God knew that even though some people would repent during King Josiah's revival of 2 Chronicles 34, that truly God's people would only be cured of their stubborn idolatry by going as slaves into Babylon, the land of idols, and see what idolatry has done to them. That's in Jeremiah 2 and 3. So the point is this. Think, think with me on this. When we study the Old Testament, Israel is God's people. They've been following God through Moses and the King David and King Solomon. And then suddenly they start falling into idolatry. They start disobeying God on a regular basis and they get evil kings. And God sees his people. He loves his people. And he will never kick them out of the family, but he will discipline them. As a good father has to discipline his children to teach them the lesson of how to obey. And so God said to his beloved Israel, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. Your temple is going to be destroyed. You're going to lose your land. You're going to lose everything. And Babylon with King Nebuchadnezzar is going to come in and he's going to take your land. How many of you remember this story? All right, this is, this is something I've been reading. I'm sharing today from something that in my personal Bible study, when I read the Bible, I'm in this portion of the Bible today. And I'm reading this and God's showing me, God, what were you doing when, when there's judgment, when the people of God in the Old Testament are suffering the consequences of their bad mistakes? God, what were you, where was the grace of God in the midst of the judgment, right? And where is the grace of God today in all the crazy things in society today? And so I see Israel actually has to go and serve as slaves in Babylon and so this is the time of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was that prophet, right? I love reading the prophets because they, they spoke the word of God. They spoke to the political leaders and the religious leaders. And they pointed out the sins and then they pointed out the way of God to turn back to God. And, the, and Jeremiah warned them. They said, Jeremiah said that uh, Babylon is coming and God has decided to allow Jerusalem to be destroyed. Right? But they didn't believe it. They thought, but this is God's temple. He will never let it be destroyed. The temple of God. The city of God, Jerusalem. And Jeremiah says, no, God's going to let it be destroyed. It will be rebuilt. He gives the prophecy in the future. God will restore. Right? But first, it's going to be destroyed. And so what are God's people supposed to think while their city is being destroyed, while their temple is being destroyed, right? That's the story of Jeremiah. Let's go to the next slide. Um, so Jeremiah is giving this story, this, this uh, basic message. I put it on the note. Jeremiah's basic message from God, submit to Babylon. <laughs> they couldn't endure that message, right? God's rod of discipline was Babylon, and you will live. Submit to Babylon, and you will live. Imagine being the prophet having to give that message. And Jeremiah says, and this is all in the scriptures I have below. Jeremiah says, you will learn truth and can be, even be missionaries for God in Babylon. You could be a missionary for God in Babylon. Get going, right? Uh, you're going to lose your home in Jerusalem, sorry. But in Babylon, you'll be a missionary. That's not so bad. It was, it was difficult. So... In Babylon, so submit to Babylon and, and lose your land, but God will go with you. If you fight against Nebuchadnezzar, you'll die. 
right? Some of them went out. King Zedekiah and the people were proud and they're false prophets and they fought against Babylon and they, they lost and they died. Do you remember that story? Read Jeremiah 22, uh, Jeremiah 21, 22, 24, 25. All right? They died. That's the basic message. Now, the false prophets at the bottom of the notes here, the false prophets opposed Jeremiah with a false message of peace. In Jeremiah 6 and 14, uh, Jeremiah 27 and 28 show a battle between a false prophet, Hananiah, and Jeremiah. So the false prophets came when Jeremiah is pronouncing the city will be destroyed, but good news, you get to be missionaries, right? Then the false prophets say, no, no, don't listen to Jeremiah. I have a word from the Lord. Peace, peace to Jerusalem, peace to Israel. And Jeremiah says there is no peace, right? Because there is sin in the land. There is idolatry in the land. And God, God, for some reason, in his wisdom said, my people keep going back to idols. My people repent, but they go right back to the idols. So maybe they will be cured of their idolatry by being sent as a slave in a land of idols. And they'll, they'll, they'll be in a place where it's full of idols. And they'll see what idolatry does in Babylon, the wicked city. That's what idolatry does. They thought, see, they were comfortable in Israel. They were, you know, having God but having their idol also. And they, they thought, well, I can have that idol. And God says, you know what, I'll show you what idols do. You're being sent to Babylon. But good news, when you get sent to Babylon and you're starting to learn, you start learning the truth of God and you get discipleship, you can be a missionary there. You have, have a great time, right? And that's the story of Daniel. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and uh, Abednego. And also Esther was there later too. Queen Esther and Mordecai was there. Uh, yeah, so God's plan for these, these people was to seek the peace of Babylon. This is Jer uh, Jeremiah chapter 29. God's plan was for them to seek the peace of Babylon, be a witness to the true and mighty God in Babylon and in the Persian Empire. You see that Jeremiah 29, Daniel chapter 1 through 6, the book of Esther... What God wanted to do through the whole nation of Israel, he, he did uh, instead. It said, instead, God reached the world with teenagers. I love teenagers. All right? You, you see this last point here on the screen? Instead, God reached the world with the teenagers like Daniel and the, the Hebrew boys and Esther and Mordecai. You see, the nation of Israel was stubborn and rebellious and disobedient to God. And while, while, while that older generation was disobedient and God said you have to lose your land and you have to be sent away to Babylon, it was, now where was Daniel at that time? Where was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were the teenagers, right? Huh? Where are the teenagers at today? Huh? Where are the teenagers at? I think we have some teens over here, right? The teenagers in the time of the Old Testament I mean, you, you know the story of Daniel. You know the story of Esther. If you don't know those stories, you, you should start reading them, right? Because that's about, that's about the teenagers, right? These people were the youth. And God said, see, God's plan was Israel is my people and Israel is my nation. And God wanted to show Israel as a light to all the lost nations. But Israel said no. 
right? Israel disobeyed. So God says, okay, my nation Israel will not be my lighthouse. My, my Israel will not be the testimony that I want her to be. So if the whole nation will not do it, I'll just find some teenagers to do it, right? And God used Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and those four teenagers reached all of Babylon, and then later they reached all of Persia, just them, just those four. And then, and then Esther got involved, and Esther reached the whole Persian empire. When you read the book of Esther, she's a missionary. She, Esther gives her testimony for the true God. It says all the way from India to Ethiopia. And I love to preach this. When I go to India, where we live in India, I, I always tell the people of India, India is in the Bible, but America is not in the Bible, right? Because of the book of Esther. Because Esther was a missionary to India. <laughs> At least her testimony got to, she lived in Persia. And where is Persia? Right next door to India, right? And so she's a teenager, like Daniel was a teenager, and God says, Okay, I'm going to use teenagers, and they're going to be sent out as missionaries. Huh? I think every teenager in this church should be sent out as a missionary. Amen? I think uh, as you're a young person, you know, it's, it's always cute when you meet the little kids, right? What do you want to do when you grow up, little boy, right? And they always say what? I want to be a fireman. Or what do they say nowadays? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be a, a social media uh, tech uh, influencer or whatever, yeah. So, but I, I think it would be beautiful if we continue to have that mindset that let's, let's raise our children to think being a missionary would be a noble occupation, that I should, I should say that, right? Well, when I grew up, I want to be a missionary, and mom and dad, oh, no, they're going to be poor, you know. <laughs> right? Okay, let's, let's go to the next slide. So in Matthew chapter 21, now, you don't have to read the note. I want you to open the Bible this time because look at Matthew 21. Let's actually open the Bible and read this because it's not on the screen. So in Matthew 21, see, this is... Uh, this is, my story is found in Matthew 21, and this is my wife Bethany here on the third row. This is her story. How did God get me uh, to serve as a missionary and how God brought Bethany to be a missionary and how God brought me and Bethany together? The story is in Matthew 21, and it's, this story in Matthew 21 is your story today also. This is, this is your testimony. If you look at Matthew 21, verse 28... Have you found it? Matthew 21. Let me get my glasses out here. And Matthew 21 and verse 28. Now Jesus is telling a story, right? He says, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first son, and he said, son, go work today in my vineyard. Verse 29. He answered and said, I will not. Wait, stop right there. Wait a second. The boy said no to his father. Now, this is an Asian country this is happening. The Asian culture, you don't say no to your father, right? And it, it shouldn't be like that in America either, but sometimes it happens, right? Like sometimes kids feel the, you know, the stubborn streak to say no, right? 
But you know what? Uh, all of us have, sa have said no at certain times, right? But imagine this boy said no to his father. But then what happened afterwards? He said, I will not. But afterward, what happened? He repented and he went. So he, he went to work for his father in the field and he obeyed his father. But first he said no. All right. But then he repented. Now look at the next one in verse 30. It says, he came to the second boy and said, likewise. And the, the second boy answered and said, I go, sir. Can you hear this? I go, sir. But he went not. And then Jesus says in verse 31, whether of them twain did the will of his father, they say unto him, the first. Jesus said to them, verily I say unto you, the publicans... And the harlots will go to the kingdom of God before you. And he's speaking to the religious leaders. He's saying these sinners, the publicans, the harlots, those sinners out there, they're going to go to heaven in the kingdom of God before all you religious people. Because he says, you religious leaders, you say yes to God, but you don't. But those sinners out there, they say no to God. And that's my story. When God first called me to be a missionary to India... I said no, right? And Bethany said the same thing. Matter of fact, me and Bethany, we said no to God more than once. <laughs> Have you ever said no to God more than once? I think everybody can say that, right? This is your story today. And, and this is our story because, you see, when I give reports about missions and I get to be a guest speaker at several different churches, this is one of my favorite churches. This, this is really my family right here. When I come back here, this is where I started, you know. So this is my family. I'm not really a guest speaker. This is my family. But when I, when I get to present missions to the churches and I show pictures of what, what God has done in India and then now in Cambodia. Like, we have started churches in uh, Cambodia this last three years. We started a church in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. It was, it's amazing. In the middle of COVID, we started a church. By the grace of God did it. We didn't do it. It was the grace of God. And we spent years planting churches in the slums of Mumbai, India, and in the villages of Arissa with Pastor Pradeep. But see, this is my story. I want to make sure people understand. I am the, I am the child of God who said no. They, they say, oh, Doug, what's your secret? How did you do your amazing mission for Jesus? I was the son who said no. <laughs> That's who I am. I'm, I'm not the one who said, yeah, go be a missionary. Yes, sir. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. I didn't want to do it, right? And the one reason why I didn't want to obey God is I didn't really know God, you know? And same thing with Bethany. When she was a young girl, she was raised in the church, but certain times she said no to God, even though she, now I wasn't raised in the church. I came from an atheist family. And then Christians reached me in my, in my public high school. I went to the same high school that Bobby Blaine went to. But she just went a few years before me. And so, uh, but you know what? They reached me in my high school. I became a Christian. But even after becoming a Christian, receiving Jesus, several times God called me to things and I said no. As a matter of fact, Pastor Brian, I don't know if you mind me sharing this, but when I went through discipleship one, Back in the early 90s, I was a young man going through Discipleship 1, and I dropped out halfway through. 
But I, I got back in. Like God gave me another chance. And I, I finished discipleship, but I failed the first time. I don't know if anybody is like that here. Like you did discipleship and then you stopped. And the, but then you got back in. Like God gave you another chance. That's my story, right, you know. I'm, I'm a dropout, you know. But, see, I'm a dropout and God gave me another chance. How many chances has God given you? If you're still alive today, guess what? God's given you another chance. He's not finished with you. So this is my story. I am the child who said no. And, uh, but this is my question. This, this boy who said no to his father, what changed his mind? See, we don't know in the story he repented, but how, how did he repent? Like, what do you think that he thinked about? Like, after he said, no, father, and he walked away from his father, what changed him? I mean, it, it's up to you. You can think about it. What do you think that he was thinking about? Oh, I said no to my father. But he started thinking about how good his father was, how loving his father was, how kind his father was. And he remembered he had seen his father give other people second chances before. Huh? Do you feel that way about your father God? Or do you, sometimes you feel God is very harsh to you because maybe you had a harsh father, uh, earthly father, and then you, sometimes you get a picture of God through the father you had on the earth. And I, I know my father was very harsh sometimes, and my father got angry a lot when I was a kid, and so it was hard for me not to picture God like that. So after I said no to God, I thought that I, I started learning the graciousness of God and it started to affect me, and I started thinking, you know, I wonder, I said no, but maybe God would call me again. And I'd say, God, I know I said no, but would you give me another chance? And I know I dropped out of discipleship, but would you give me another chance, you know? And so that's the secret of grace. That's the secret of missions. We're all grace, you're, you're all grace cases. You're a case of grace. You're a grace case. All right? So... That's what the boy was thinking of. And this gives us confidence in God. And we learn Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 15, where God says in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, uh, come to the throne of grace with boldness to receive grace. Do you have that verse in your heart? Hebrews 4, mark it down. Come to the throne of grace with boldness, with confidence. You can meet with God and get more grace. All right? That stubborn younger son repented and he did what his father asked, worked in the field. He got Galatians 2.20, Christ is living in him. Let's go to the next slide. So we learn the needs of the hurting of the lost world. We pray for peoples of the world. We pray for God's kingdom to come. We learn grace gives us love motivation. Not a deficit motivation of trying to pay God back or trying to prove myself to God or prove myself to others. We are already accepted by God. Thankfulness causes you to worship God in awe and to get up and go. Because I'm putting this in my notes to tell you this. Some people live all their life with a deficit motivation, a guilt motivation. They feel like they have to prove themselves to show people that they're good enough or to show God that they're good enough or to pay God back for what God has given to them. That's the wrong motivation, right? Thankfulness and love is the motivation. But you know something? A lot of times we, we get raised up in our families, in our communities, with a psych, our, our mind and our psychology. We feel we have to prove ourselves. You know, I've, I've talked to some of my friends recently who had a, a bad relationship in their family. And they, they, all, they, told, they were in, 
in college and they were graduating college and, and one, one guy was in the military and he was going through the training of the military. He graduated and he said, I can't wait till my family sees my graduation because then they'll know I can prove myself to them. They'll know that I made it because they always told me I could never make it. You know, see, this is that's the wrong motivation, isn't it? That, that's the emotional turmoil that all of us grow up with of trying to prove ourselves to other people. And sometimes we want to prove ourselves to God. So God does not relate like that. God has already accepted you, <laughs> right? By, through Jesus Christ. If you've got Jesus Christ, you're accepted by God. You don't have to prove yourself. And if you fail, you know, God's not surprised that you failed. And he says, now get back up. Seven times a day, uh, seven times a day get back, back up. All right? And God has more grace for you. Uh, let's go to the next slide. So now I'm, I'm finishing with this before I show some, a few pictures. Is that this is my survey of grace in the Old Testament. Because as we're learning this grace, as we're learning this heart of God, this love, I looked at several Old Testament verses of the Bible that are in the middle of judgment. Because when you read Joel and you, when you read Hosea and you read Micah and Zechariah and all these Ezekiel Every time you read those books of the Bible, what is it? You know, judgment, 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 you know? And so in the middle of judgment, this is my prayer. When I, this, this is the way I studied the Bible, right? I'm, I'm doing my daily Bible readings or whatever, and I'm, I'm reading through. Like, oh, my gosh, look what happened. Israel disobeyed God, and look what happened. Oh, wow. And then I think, God, where's the grace, right? Because sometimes judgment's not edifying. Now, it, Judgment uh, instructs me, it warns me, right? But then in the middle of judgment, God, mercy, mercy. Because I know that James chapter 2, verse 13 says, mercy rejoices against judgment. God would rather have mercy. Sometimes God has to judge, but God would rather have mercy, amen? So I found it here in Joel, uh, the first one. This is all the grace verses of the prophets, Joel 2.25, it says, God is restoring the years the locust has eaten. Because in the judgment, what happened in Israel? Uh, In the farming that they did, they had all the crops. God allowed locusts to come. And what do locusts do to the farm? They eat up all those crops. And it happened because of the sins of Israel. And so what does God say in the book of Joel? God says, oh, my people, I will restore to you the years that the locusts has eaten. That's Joel 2.25. Memorize that verse. Because you know what God is saying in that verse? God does not say, I will restore to you the crops that you lost. He won't. It's gone. But God is going to restore something better. What is it? God says, I'm going to give you back the years that were wasted, the wasted time. How many of you know the pain of your heart this morning when you look at your life is the wasted time? Not so much things that you lost, but the time that you lost because you were not following Jesus at that time and there was this uh, problems in your life that came because of sin. God will forgive. You know what? When you come to God, with all of your wasted time that you think about in the past, 
You say, God, I've wasted so much time. And God says, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to restore the years that you have wasted. You know that what God can do? And I've experienced this in my life, and I think some of you have experienced this. Did you know that there's certain times in your life when you know that God's hand is on your life and God's doing something in the church? You know, especially when you're involved in church and God's moving and suddenly there, there's a new day. There's a fresh momentum after the, pandem- pa- the pandemic season's over. And then suddenly God's bringing a new momentum in the church. Did you know in, in one week time, like in seven days, God can do something in your life in seven days more than he did in the last seven years. He'll, he'll do that. That's happened in my life. Because God's hand is on something and then boom, God does something in your life. Wow. I've seen God accomplish more in the last week than he did all last year or all last two years. Like he'll restore that time in a short period of time. Because you're turning to Jesus and Jesus' hand is on your life. The next verse about grace is in Hosea chapter 2. In verse 15, it says, God is making the valley of Achor into a door of hope. And the valley of Achor was a place of shame and judgment of Achan's sin. And so if you look that verse up later when you get home, Hosea 2.15, God says there's a place in Israel called the valley of Achor. And what happened in that valley in the book of Joshua and in the Old Testament? Uh, Joshua had, there was a guy in the army named Achan. And Achan stole some of the materials, and he hid those materials, and God's judgment came on the people of Israel because he was a thief and a liar, and he was hiding things. And then people died because of his sin. And then later, he had to die in the valley of Achor. Achan was stoned to death. So ever since that sin and that shame happened in Israel, people would walk by that area, and they would say, oh, that's the valley of Achor. You remember what happened there? Right, And so God says, good news, the heart of God, the heart of mercy, God shows up. Oh, my, my beloved people, I'm going to make the valley of Achor into a door of hope. Now you're going to go to the valley of Achor and you're going to think about hope in God. God's going to transform your place of shame into a place of hope. And that will happen in your life. All of us have valleys of Achor in our soul and in our past. And God says, I'm going to take that very thing that causes you shame and you're going to be forgiven. You're going to get a new face of smile on your face that God has given you a new day and now you have that hope in the same place. God's into transforming things. God transforms it. And it continues in Hosea 3, 1 to 5, where this Hosea is told to marry a woman who's a prostitute, and the, he gets married to Gomer, and, and uh, Hosea's wife goes out into the town, and Hosea's wife gets pregnant by another man, and God says to Hosea, be faithful to your wife, love your wife, God's going to restore your wife, and the children that your wife is having children from another man, God says, Hosea, adopt those children. Huh? That's the story of Hosea. Adopt the children of the prostitution. And God says, because I love Israel just like that. When Israel goes to the idolatry, when Israel goes to the idols, God says, I'm going to restore them. 
and I'm going to bring them back to me. And Hosea, Hosea saw his wife on the, on the, the slave auction block, and, and Gomer was being sold as a slave. And Hosea says, I'll buy her. That's in Hosea chapter 3. I'll buy her back. He doesn't have to buy her back. That's his wife. But he says, I'll buy her back. And he buys his wife back and adopts her children. Have you ever read that story before? Huh? See, the Bible's not a boring book. It's just boring people reading it, you know? That's an exciting story. Who, who wants to get excited about a God who would love people like that? I mean, that's better than any Hollywood movie, those boring movies, right? You read the Bible, it's more exciting. All right, the next verse of grace is in Micah chapter 7, God picking us up after we fall. O enemy, do not rejoice over me when you see me fall. I will arise. God will strengthen me and pick me up. So write that verse down, Micah 7. Micah was a preacher. Micah was a prophet. And he fell down. And everyone, the enemy laughed at Micah. Ha ha, you're a man of God. You fell down. Micah says, don't laugh at me. Don't rejoice because God's going to pick me back up. And that's what you should say. The next time you get knocked down, speak, speak that word to yourself. God's going to pick me back up. I'm going to stand right back up by grace. And don't rejoice. Don't be laughing at me. Right? That's what Micah is saying. That's grace in the midst of judgment. And then we have Zechariah chapter 3. God sees the priest Joshua is filthy. He's dirty. Satan is accusing him. God forgives Joshua. God cleanses him. And after being forgiven and cleansed by the free grace of God, then God charges Joshua to obey. So if, if you study the scripture in Zechariah 3, Joshua had to be cleaned by God. Joshua had something in his life that was dirty. And God says, I'm going to clean him. I'm going to forgive him. And so God brought the priest into himself. And God says, I've forgiven you. I have cleansed you. I have changed you. You have repented and you've turned back to God. Now, after, after I clean you, now obey. This is a simple principle. Sometimes we make the mistake. When we see somebody who's dirty, somebody who fell in the mud, we say, what happened? What did you do? Huh? Clean yourself up, right? Be be do better, do better, do better, right? Now, God wants us to do better, but first he's going to clean us for free, right? By love. God says, oh, what happened? You're in the mud. You're in the dirt. Let me, come here. Let me, let me clean you. Let me show you mercy. Let me show. Okay, now you're clean. Okay, now obey. Right? But we get it reversed, right? We say, now you obey, and then I'll clean you. <laughs> right? God says, I'm going to clean you first, and then you're going to obey. That's grace. All right? And then in, in Habakkuk 3, he says, although I lose everything and find no earthly success, yet I will rejoice in God and take joy in the God of my salvation. And then finally, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, God is writing down in his journal every time believers meet together to fellowship in his name and talk together about him and encourage one another. Um, let, let's read that verse. Everyone open up because we're going to be finished here in a, in a couple minutes. The last book of the Old Testament, I put it on the screen, but I want you to see it in your Bible. Malachi chapter 3, right before Matthew. It's the last book of your Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16. Because this is what God is doing right now 
in the midst of all the crazy stuff happening in the world and how the church is gathering together and the grace of God is being poured into our hearts and everything is crazy outside. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16, then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another and the Lord hearkened and heard it and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. So God says, those who really worship God, they speak to each other often. Amen? See, this is a church where you don't just come on Sunday morning, but you, every, we have church every day in this church, by the way, right? Because every time you get on the phone or every time you want to meet the other Christians on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, you're fellowshipping and you're talking together. And what are you talking about? The news, right? It says they're talking about God's name. They're talking about God's love and character. And what is God doing? God says he's writing down a book of who showed up to church. Amen? Who showed up for the gathering? When people gathered together and fellowship in the name of God and worship him, God says, I'm writing a book of remembrance. Right? The official document. Who was in church? And who did not show up for church, right? That means who showed up for church on Monday also, right? Who, who's having church on Monday, which means who amongst the Christians in the church are still talking to each other on Monday <laughs> and helping each other on Monday and working together as a team on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, and they're still having church. And who is not having church on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? Who only has church on Sunday? If, if you want to have church on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, there's a way to do that. Just come to Pastor Brian and come to Pastor Randy. They'll help you understand. Discipleship. It's called discipleship. It's called ministry. It's called the activity of the church, the body of Christ. It's called relationships. It's called friendships. We're friends. We're family. We talk to each other often. So I'm finished with the Bible today because this is our Bible message. I'll show you a couple of, of pictures really quick of our mission, our mission and ask you for prayer. And we're going to close in prayer today. But I, I want to ask you for prayer for myself and my wife, Bethany, as we're in a, we're in a time of we have to wait. Because of the pandemic, we, there's a lot of travel restrictions because we, we go to these Asian countries and there's a restriction. So, so in the meantime, we're here with you. It's a good place to, to be. We're, we're here in a, in a we're, we're being delayed, right? Our travel plans are delayed. So if we have to be delayed, can we hang out with you guys, right? But pray that we get that open door to go back, right? This is, the, this is the church we just started this last two years. This is our church in Cambodia. So this is everyone in our church. Um, you can see our church, this is the, the entrance of our church. It's like a garage. You walk into our church in Cambodia and it's like, it's like this big old hall, like with high ceiling, you know, go into a garage, and then you see the, the windows up above, that's someone's room. And it's, it's a three-story building, and we have 11 people living, we have three babies and 11 adults living in the church. And it was good time, you know what? Right when the pandemic hit, we, God gave us this building for church, and we, we, we moved in, you know, some of our church members live in the church. Wouldn't that be beautiful to be stuck in the church, living in the church during the pandemic, right? That's what happened. We were, we were locked in together, and 
Now, Bethany and I, we, we had our own apartment, but right as the pandemic got really worse in Cambodia, we moved into the church with our disciples, and we were locked in together. And Bethany will tell you stories of having all the food with the Cambodians. With the, they love this thing called fish sauce. It's like soy, soy sauce with, uh, with anchovies. And so, so the smell permeates the whole church building, you know. And uh, so we moved into this home. And, uh, and so we have our, all of our, ch- our key church members were locked in together during the pandemic. And we had discipleship all, all day long, you know. It was God's timing. And, uh, and so, uh, we, but the key thing is we trained a pastor. That, let's go to the next picture. Because this is Pastor C and his wife and uh, baby Samuel. So we trained Pastor C. We've been in Cambodia for three years. And this man that we, he had been trained, even before we met him, he was already a leader in another church. And he came to help us. And so C, his name is C, right? And guess what? His wife's name, the pastor's wife now, her, her name is Pet. Isn't that a great name for a wife? Here's my wife, Pet, right? So, um, so his name is Pet, Pastor C and Pet and their baby Samuel. And then she was pregnant in that picture. She gave birth to a second child, uh, Clarissa. And so uh, Bethany was there for the birth and we helped to, you know, to grow that church. But the, the good news is this. You see, after three years in Cambodia, our goal was to hand the church over to the local people. And it, it feels like this is God's timing because now that we're not there and we're here with you, Pastor C is doing everything that I used to do. And so this is his chance to shine. And uh, we're getting good reports. He's doing very well, teaching the Bible, leading the evangelism. Because the, recently the COVID restrictions have been lifted and now they're going back out and doing evangelism. And he's leading the things that I used to lead. And so that's, that's great uh, news for us that... that while the, while the COVID uh, pandemic was going on, we started a church, and the church is still going, right? And so that's by the grace of God, because when God first said to go, I said no, right? But then I repented. <laughs> and yet, which, by the way, when I, when I went to the mission field, when, when I started serving God overseas, I was still single, y'all. I didn't have a wife, right? And I said, God, I'm not going to go serve you until you give me a wife first, and God says, you know what? You go serve me, boy. And I said, okay, I repent. You know, God, you're so good to me. But I got over to Asia, and I was serving Jesus. You know what? And, and Pastor Brian Hedges visited me over there on the mission. I was still single at the time. And, uh, and all the guys came over to visit me. And then later, Bethany showed up on the mission field, and God's, God had called her. She said, God called me to India. And we served in India together. We met on the mission field. Did you know that that's the best plan for dating? Huh? That's the best way to find your husband or your wife. Is you, go, you start serving Jesus in some place. God might call you to serve Jesus somewhere in Missouri. You know? But in, where you start going to serve Jesus, your wife and your husband is going to show up there. Right? Because God's going to sh- lead them and God's going to lead you. And you're going to meet your husband or your wife, because they love Jesus and you love Jesus and you've received that forgiveness of Jesus and now you're a good match. That's the best way to, to meet your spouse, you know? And uh, 
So God sent Bethany to me on the mission field. And right around that time when Pastor Brian Hedges had visited us over there, and you know, you guys know David Pierce, right? David Pierce came over and visited us, and, and he got that burden for the Nepali people and the Indian people he met. And David Pierce started to reach out to those folks in the inner city, those immigrants and the, and the, the migrants from, from Nepal. I want to I finish with this report as we're thinking about missions. You guys don't realize this. All right. When we were in India, we trained pastors all over India. And today they're still starting churches. But do you know how there's three key churches in India that are they're waiting for us to come back? Because now that we've handed the church over in Cambodia, our prayers, we want to go back to India. All right. And we want you guys to come with us. We want another mission team to go back to India because of this. Because there's three churches of India. With, we have Pastor Ganesh, we have Pastor Pradeep. But there's three other churches in India that were started because of your church, because of Heartland Baptist Fellowship, because you sent a team to India. The people that your team met in India became pastors, right? It was because of the missions trip that you took that we met this guy named Ratan, and we met uh, Peter Rai, and we met Pawan, and we met um, these guys up in Sikkim. And all, a lot of these guys that we trained and then we sent them out in India, and right now they're starting churches, they're struggling in different mountain villages in the north of India. And one guy's in, Bhut, you know this place called Bhutan, right? This guy's in Bhutan, reaching Bhutan. And how, how did we find the pastor reaching Bhutan and the other ones reaching North India? We only met them because uh, David Pierce and Brian Hedges came to India. And they met, they were the ones that met them and made the connection and then sent them to us and then we trained them, right? So they're, they're fruit of your church, Right Now, the name of their church over there is called Greater Grace, right? And Greater Grace is basically a Baptist church without the name Baptist on it. So it's a Greater Grace church all over North India and different near Bhutan. But you know what? It was started because Heartland Baptist Fellowship went to India and made the contacts. And then your church gave the contacts to us in India. And now they're Greater Grace pastors. But they started with Heartland Baptist Fellowship. Amen. And so this is the fruit of your church. Pastors in India who are waiting us, they're waiting for us to come back. They, they get on the phone, they say, when's Bethany coming back to India, right? Now, they, they want me to come back to India, but they really want Bethany to come back to India. Because Bethany makes them all feel special, right? And this is how I'm going to close today, because this is God's plan for all y'all. You see, the people in Asia never celebrate birthday parties, Right? And so what does Bethany do? They, everyone gets a birthday party, whether they're one of the low church members or the high pastors. They all get a birthday party. And all the orf, you know the orphans that we have over there, they get, they've never had a birthday party. And so be, not just birthday parties, but every single day Bethany's over there on the mission field. She makes people feel special. She organizes things. She has the gift of administration. She has the gift of mercy. You know, this is my... You know, I waited for 39 years before I got married. I was 39 years old, and I was single. And I, you know what? She was worth the wait. Amen? I, I, got, <laughs> I, got, I got the best, you know? And so she loves the people. They're waiting for her to come back. And, uh, and there's so much more church planning we need to do of what you start. Because they have the same discipleship lessons that you all have. 
they have translated over there. You all, uh, you all brought it over there. And they're still using them. You know what it turns into? It, it's always a group discipleship over there. They never do it one-on-one, you know? Like we, uh, the, the McGuire's went over there to bring discipleship. And you know what it turned into? We were hoping that they would one-on-one disciple each other. But you know what? When you're in India, there's no one-on-one, right? It's like there's a billion people, right? So a guy will say, let's do discipleship. And like eight people will show up and like, yeah, okay. And so, so what happened, like the, the guys are discipling people in homes and slums. And then there's eight people listening to discipleship. But only two are really getting it, right? But that's okay. Let, let the other six be there and maybe they'll catch on eventually. And so, so pray for that. Pray that we'll get that open door to go back to India. And that I want you all to come with us on another trip. Let's pray for that to come forward. And then uh, the, the mission of our churches in Kansas City will keep, keep focused on going, going, going. And going to Mexico. That, I'm so excited. You're going to Mexico in November. And I want to say this, God needs retired people on the mission field. Amen? God's not finished with you. I'm not finished with my message yet because God's not finished with you. Because you know what? You know what? In, in, in Mexico and the same thing in Asia and Mexico, people respect elder people, don't they? You show up there and if, if you're an older person, they're going to listen to what you have to say just because you're older. Right? It may not happen here, right? But over there, they respect their elders. You know what the mission field needs? I bet you, uh, isn't it Joe Hendrickson over in Mexico, right? I bet you he would be so happy if a retired person from Harrisonville came to live in Mexico with him. You know? I would be happy if somebody who's retired in Missouri here would come over to India and live for a while over there. You don't have to live, like, not the whole year. Like, come for six months, you know? Like, I, I still have to maintain my home. What? Yeah, maintain your home, but then spend six months going somewhere because you're retired, right? <laughs> we, we love the older folks on the mission field because, the, you know, it's good all the young people doing the missions. But when the older folks come and do the missions, you get an open door. People respect and listen to you. And so I want to invite you all to think about the mission field for your life and think about uh, training the young people. Let's, let's help the young people think about missions, that that's their future. So let's, let's, uh, let's close in prayer right now. Let's bow our heads and eyes and let's think about Jesus Christ's mission for our life. We're on a mission. Jesus Christ died for a mission. Jesus Christ loves us and he gives us a purpose for our life. If there's anyone here that needs Jesus, I pray you'd raise your hand and pray right now. Dear Jesus, save me. Jesus Christ, forgive me.